Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Well, I just got back from CPAC and uh, was there for several days and just prior to that to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. So it was a week of great networking. Saw some of you. And thank you for uh, introducing yourselves to me, those who were there at both of those great events, uh, National Religious Broadcasters in Nashville, and then, and then um, just outside the swamp, we could, we could smell it, but we were technically outside of it there in National Harbor, Maryland. We had the CPAC uh, gathering, um, but much more aromatic and pleasing was the scent inside as we we're together with patriots and believers from not only across the country, but around the world. It was a very strong international theme uh, echoed at CPAC. This is a global battle against a global enemy. And one of the people that I most enjoyed listening to was the president of Argentina, uh, Javier Millet, and he gave a great speech for freedom and for life. He talked about, uh, among the many th points he brought up, the uh, ferocious and destructive abortion agenda of the other side that uh, really mars human history. But so many great speeches from so many people. And I was uh, delighted to spend some time with uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland, who was the speaker at the Reagan dinner, <clears throat> and spoke about the uh, most important uh, quality for politicians. It's not civility, as some try to claim. It's truth, truth-telling and humility. You're humble, you realize, like Jesus said, that to be great in the kingdom is to serve. You don't be like the Gentiles who lord it over their subjects. You serve the people uh, that you are elected to serve, and that's what, well, that's what these elections are about. That's how we save this nation. We elect people who have the understanding of truth and the grasp of humility to do what our founders said in our founding documents they have to do to secure the rights of the people, not to pretend to be the ones giving them or uh, certainly not vetoing them either. Let's go to the scriptures, and then we're going to talk about a number of things currently happening in our political world, And uh, but I want to start with Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 6. Let's go into the Word of God and uh, let's pray. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, Expose them. 
For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, because in the midst of walking in evil, walking with darkness surrounding us, we are people of light. You are, Lord Jesus, the light of the world. You call us to be light as well. We praise you, Lord, for your gifts, your gifts to America, your gifts to your church, your body, your gifts to each of us. May we utilize those gifts now armed with the full armor of God, to defend our nation and to advance your kingdom. You, who are Lord of all, and who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so today uh, we heard officially what we already knew. We were talking about it on this program, how after the South Carolina primary, and, and by the way, in regard to this primary, what could could the supporters of of, of uh Nikki Haley, and I'm talking about the, uh, I know there are a lot of good citizens that have different ideas about the primary, we always respect that. But in the higher echelons of the Republican Party and donor base, although some of these donors have now said after South Carolina that they're not going to keep supporting Nikki Haley financially, but but the rest of those still are, what in the world are you guys trying to do? Right? I mean, isn't that the... It, I, <laughs> I think most, the vast majority of you in this audience uh, uh, agree with me. What in the world are they trying to do? Are are you just trying to muddy the waters here? Mess up the data, uh, uh, the data that campaigns and the party will rely on to get out the vote in November? I mean, because after all, if you got these these, uh, Trump-hating Republicans and also Democrats voting all over the place for Nikki Haley just because they want to uh, prevent President Trump, which is not going to work, then you end up with a with a messy database of people who voted for uh, the Republican uh, in the primary. You know what I'm saying. And the money, the amount of money and attention. I mean, the attention and President Trump did marvelously on the that Saturday night one, once he gave his uh, victory address and the rapidity, by the way, with which his uh, the race was called for him is uh, is a clear sign of the not just it's not just a victory. It's it's an overwhelming victory. It's historic. And uh, he 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 pivoted directly uh, as he has been doing to the in the to the general election to to Biden as the one that we have to say you're fired. This is what President Trump said. You're fired, Biden. This is the the, the chorus echoing inside of all of us. So he didn't so much as mention uh, Nikki Haley, and it's like our attention at this point should not be diverted anymore to divisions within uh, on the Republican side of the equation. Again, that's not to say anything bad about anybody or people who have different preferences. Maybe some of you in this audience do. But my goodness, how much more of an historic victory for President Trump do we need to see that, that to, in order to go on with, to, to the general election here? Uh, nevertheless, use the primaries to activate voters. I mean, I think that's right now at this point the biggest benefit. Get voters registered, get, get them off their couches and into the voting booth now so that they're even more ready to do so in November. This is an important aspect of the primaries now of more consequence, really, than the outcome 
uh, of the primary itself. In other words, understand what I'm saying. Getting people involved in voting in the, uh, in the primaries, most states uh, of which still have them coming up a week from tomorrow is the big one, right? Super Tuesday, March 5th. The benefit right now of voting in the primary is not so much for the outcome of the primary. It's for the outcome of November, because this is a chance to activate voters who maybe have not been voting, to get voters to pay attention who maybe have not been paying any attention to the election until now. Many people, because of the nature of Super Tuesday, uh, will be paying attention a week from tomorrow for the first time in election cycle 2024. Build on that. Build on that. Get people out. Get them activated. Get them transitioned from the inactive voter status to the active voter status so that we can get a major victory in November. Okay, another other developments. Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, no surprise. We said this, um, that after the South Carolina primary, it looked like she was going to be ready to announce her transition out as a chair of the Republican Party. She made that official today. It will become effective on March the 8th when they have a, um, a special training, spring training meeting in Houston. And um, I think this audience is, is, is divided. I mean, some of you are, are, are very active in the structure of the Republican Party, and thank you for the work that you do. In that regard, others are are just done with, you know, the structure of the party, of course, still adhering to its ideals and voting for its candidates. But as far as a tool in winning the elections have transferred over to other movements uh, like that, that those that uh, uh, big groups are doing, that we're doing, Turning Point USA, CPAC that we were just at, other voter voter turnout efforts. But with a change in leadership in a, in a few weeks, we're likely to see, I think we're going to see some really, really exciting developments in terms, of, and I'm not pre-judging pre anything here, but I think that we should keep in, in, in mind that we're likely to see some things in, in going on, changes happening with the Republican National Committee that are really going to be exciting uh, to us as we follow through. So uh, see what's happened in these next few weeks. Chairman Ronald McDaniel, as well as co-chair Drew McKissick, put their of their official notices out that they'll be finishing up on a March the 8th, and then their successors will be chosen. So we'll keep an eye on that for you. And, you know, whatever you think of the effectiveness of, uh, of the RNC, and again, opinion on that is, uh, is, is, uh, is uh, split. I, I hear more discontent than ever, but things like the bank your vote effort, bankyourvote.com, and the whole idea that we've been pushing here about getting those votes out early is crucially important to pay attention to and, and to make sure that our fellow voters are paying attention to. All right. Dick Morris said something the other day in terms of this race, no longer to think of it as close. Oh, well, you know, Trump is a little bit ahead of Biden or maybe some polls Biden is just ever so slightly ahead of Trump. Dick Morris analyzing all of these polls and adding to it the insight of his great experience in American politics says, this is not, this is not close anymore. This is a blowout by President Trump. Now, nobody should get uh, uh, you know, overconfident or sit back and say, oh, we got this in the bag. No, you got to work like crazy. But the point is that the, this is the, these are the signs that the polls are showing. You know, again, go back to the primary. And this, this notion, oh, no, President Trump can't beat 
can't beat Biden or, oh, 40% of the Republicans support and Nikki Haley. Where in the world are these people looking to get these ideas? Read the polls coming out in the key states and you'll see that President Trump's lead is not only strong, it's growing, even the national polls. We did a poll at Priests for Life with the McLaughlin uh, Associates, one of President, President Trump's uh, pollsters. And uh, again, President Trump is ahead even in the national popular vote, which if you're ahead in the national popular vote, that means you're way ahead in the election itself. Um, Morris quoted a statistic that says, look, President Trump is only uh, missing out on 4% of the Republican vote. So 96% support. Whereas Biden is losing 17% of the Democrat vote. And that's significant. And that's worrisome for them. This is why, because the other side is seeing very clearly here, you know, they could well lose this presidential race. They are gearing up for all kinds of things. Now, in, in the programs during the course of this week, I want to say some things, not tonight, but in some of the upcoming nights about what the Democrats are likely to do when they see they don't have the bag of tricks that they had last time around with the global pandemic, although, of course, they can always start one, um, crazy as they are. Uh, they're trying this lawfare against President Trump. I want to say a few words about that, but it isn't working very well. It's actually not working very well. And um, so we're going to talk about some of the crazy antics that they are preparing to uh, undertake, and we've got to be ready for anything. But let me first talk about this, this lawfare against President Trump. Here's what they're looking for, and maybe the supporters of Nikki Haley are hoping that this is what unfolds, that if there's a conviction against President Trump... Um, Oh, and today, by the way, he appealed. He put the official appeal in the New York State court system to the appellate division of this ridiculous Judge Engoron's ruling against him to, to pay hundreds of millions of dollars. Absolutely disgraceful. And he is put now in the, the appeal, and uh, uh, we'll say a word about this case in a moment as we've com uh, commented on it already. But what I want to review with you for a few minutes is it's a simple fact here. The other side wants there to be a conviction against President Trump so that they can use as a campaign. All they're after is a campaign slogan. They don't care what he did, if he did it. They don't even care if he goes to jail or not. They want this campaign slogan. You vote for President Trump, you're voting for a convicted felon. That's what they, because they want to just, and it's not going to affect us. Like I said, I don't. if he was convicted on every one of the 91 charges that's against him, I'd vote for him. And there's no, not even one second of doubt, not even one minute of his hesitation. And I think I speak for all his, his base and you who are watching now. But brothers and sisters, that, they don't care. They know that. They don't care about that. They want to peel away just enough of the independent, uh, moderate voters out there who, oh, I don't want, oh, I'm voting. Oh, he's a convicted felon. Well, I can't vote for him. Yeah, but here's the point to keep in mind, and we have got to take aim at this now. Now, as time goes on, you know, fewer and fewer of these cases are likely to lead to, to conviction for, because of a number of things that are happening. But 
Should that scenario unfold? There's a very simple response that we have. The charges themselves, the indictments themselves, are so baseless and ridiculous, as we and other commentators have pointed out a hundred thousand times, how utterly baseless and ridiculous these things are, if that's the case, which it is, then any conviction arising from this is equally baseless and ridiculous. Now, that doesn't mean that people won't be affected by a headline or a soundbite. What it does mean is that you and I have to be ready to talk about this with our fellow voters and help them understand that you don't change the baselessness of something. That is, that is, is, is absolute either fabrication or misapplication of the law, or twisting it like a pretzel in an unprecedented way doesn't become any less ridiculous and baseless if you call it something else or if you just continue a process that starts in baselessness and it doesn't evolve into something that's all of a sudden substantial. It evolves into more of what it already is. If it's a ridiculous misapplication of the law, or it's it's mired in lies and in anti-Trump sentiment and imagination, in Trump derangement syndrome, Trump derangement syndrome only grows into bigger Trump derangement syndrome. It doesn't heal itself, including when you inject that poison into the legal process, into the judicial process. It doesn't suddenly transform into something that is a substantial breaking of the law if it didn't start out that way. You understand what I'm saying? And you have to be strong about this. Somebody comes up to you tomorrow, oh, there was a conviction against President Trump. Our response is, so the hell what? You're saying it's, 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 it's any less baseless and ridiculous than the charge that was brought forward in the first place? Look at the, again, some of these, of course, we know the distinction. You've got the federal, you've got the state, you've got the, the criminal case, civil cases. Okay, There's all these differences. We've gone into this before. But I mean, look at some of these things. Oh, he spoke harshly about a woman. Okay, and nobody justifies that, not even him. But it's like, okay, then what? He, he paid money from the wrong account. And he entered into a non-disclosure agreement. Oh, you know what I mean? The kind that people enter into every day? He overestimated the value of certain properties if you even if you even take that at face value, which we don't. But but it, it, on the other hand, is this not a, a common common occurrence all the time? It's like so what? Oh, he retained documents longer than he was supposed to. And this is what Dick Morris was going into this uh, over the weekend too. And then, of course, in the more in the more um, serious kinds of charges, oh, well, he incited an insurrection. Yeah, right. By giving a speech in which he told people to be peaceful and uh, a, a, an insurrection without any firearms, really? Um, overturned an election? Oh, is that so? Anytime anybody like including, you mean including the Democrats, question the result of an election and want clarity about the result, so that now becomes a crime? You understand, friends, it's we can never tire of going back again and again and again. And I want to read a, a great post here by Charlie Kirk. 
to pointing out the baselessness of all of this, the absurd, the offensive absurdity of it, and the unprecedented nature of it in human history, the, the, the American history. Look at, at Charlie Kirk on, on Instagram. Talking about, first of all, the Judge Engeron. By the way, this man is a despicable human being, okay? Charlie says, this is a case with zero victims. All the loans were repaid, and the banks even testified in defense of Trump and the Trump hotels. This, who was defrauded? So these hundreds of millions of dollars that this despicable man, Engeron, political hack that he is, says that President Trump has to pay, friends, it's supposed to go to the state of New York. It's not going to some uh, a poor uh, uh, person or business owner or bank that was defrauded. Nobody was defrauded a penny. It was all, any loan, all the loans were paid back with interest. The banks had no complaints. Again, it does, you've heard, probably heard this a hundred times already. But it's never too much to keep going back to this because we have got to, like a broken record, be pumping this into the minds and hearts and ears of our fellow citizens because, because look, all of this is the bottom line is we've got to get this man back in the White House. President Trump needs to be the 47th president of the United States. So Charlie Kirk goes on. Let me just read this for you because this is really good stuff. Every facet of the legal offensive against Trump is utterly unprecedented in American history. Nothing like the ruling in New York has ever happened before. New York's law allowing for the total dissolution of companies is meant for businesses that are, in fact, fraudulent. Those that impersonate other businesses or rely wholly on fraud to do business. It's never been used to decapitate a functioning business over a supposed fraud that had zero victims. Okay, second thing. Nothing like the E. Jean Carroll, another despicable human being. Nothing like this case has ever happened in American history either. Carroll claims that Trump raped her, yet can't give a year, liar that she is, has a story that matches a TV episode, liar that she is. Trump has never been charged, and all he said is that the allegation was untrue. It's untrue. What else is he going to say? It's untrue. So he's been hit with a judgment of more than $83 million. This utterly rewrites the entire concept of defamation law, all to attack one person. New York actually rewrote its state laws specifically to let this despicable human being, Carol, bring her ridiculous case. Okay. Nothing like the Alvin Bragg criminal case against Trump has ever happened. Bragg, shall I use the adjective again? The man is despicable is charging Trump with a felony for falsifying business records. <laughs> but New York law only allows that to be a felony if it's done to cover up a separate felony. But no other felony has ever been charged. Instead, Bragg claims Trump violated federal election laws by making payments to Stormy Daniels. The insane claim is that anything Trump does to protect his reputation is an election of, uh, uh, expense that must be reported to the FEC. No court has ever ruled that. No federal prosecutor has ever tried to prosecute Trump for this. Yet Bragg, being a local prosecutor, claims the authority to interpret the law this way. It's unprecedented. And Alvin Bragg, it's unprecedented stupidity. And it's offensive to us, the American people, and it's offensive to our intelligence. 
If you want to show the world how lacking in intelligence you are and how lacking in respect for authentic law you are, you know what? Leave the rest of us out of it. Go make a cartoon. But leave the rest of us out of it and leave our elections out of it too. So Charlie Kirk goes on to say, nothing like the Fannie Willis indictment of Trump has ever happened in this country's history. She accused Trump of furthering a conspiracy. By doing what? Urging lawmakers to vote a certain way on proposed legislation and by encouraging the public to watch televised hearings on One American News Network. Even if Willis' personal life weren't the mess of a scandal that it is, her case would be a travesty. And then finally, Jack Smith, nothing like this has ever happened before. No politician in modern U.S. history has ever been charged with a crime for giving a speech where he explicitly told supporters to be peaceful. No American politician has ever been held criminally responsible for every action by any person who supports him. Jack Smith's case throws a century of First Amendment law, and it has to be, it has to, because everything about it completely undermines the First Amendment. He throws it out. Friends, what's really going on here? People are afraid of President Trump on the other side. And I want to show you a clip here that really summarizes what their fear is. This is a man who understands how government is supposed to work and is exposing the forces at work, which are more than deep state. I, I agree with something Dan Bongino says, that you use the term deep state, it sounds like it's only about the state, but it's about much more than the state. It includes other powerful forces in society, media, academia, all these people working in tandem, powerful monetary people, business people. It's, it's a deep structure. It's like it's a big, big octopus full of poison. Brothers and sisters, this is something that is being fueled by one fear above all. President Trump knows the difference between how America is supposed to work, rooted in God. As he says, we worship God, not government. Rooted in natural law, rooted in the difference between right and wrong. And this is why he's such an advocate for religious freedom, because he understands religious freedom is necessary in order for the system of government. Self-governance can work only when the people are guided by religious truth. So watch this from MSNBC. This, I won't even use the adjective. This person speaking puts the finger on the fear of these enemies of Trump. Listen to this. I'm going to hear words like Christian nationalism, like the new apostolic reformation. These are groups that you should get very, uh, very schooled on because they have a lot of power in Trump's circle. And the one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. The problem with that is that they are determining man, men, mm -hmm. it is yeah. men, yeah. are determining what God is telling them. And in the past, 
that so-called natural law is, you know, it's a pillar of Catholicism, for, mm -hmm. Catholicism, for instance, it's been used for good in social justice campaigns. Right. Martin Luther King evoked it in talking about civil rights. But now you have an extremist element of conservative Christians who say that this applies specifically to issues including abortion, gay marriage, and it's going much further than that. You mean men like Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, John Adams, I don't know, like the founders of America? Or do you mean men like, like Jesus Christ and the, the 12 apostles? Are these the kind of men that you mean who are claiming to talk about things that God has revealed? You're talking about men who say things like, we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. You know, what Biden calls uh, the thing. You know the thing. Yeah, the thing happens to be true. The whole concept of our government is that our rights come from God, and government exists to secure those rights. So when we say the Democrat Party hates America, title of Mark Levin's book, when we say these people reject America, when we say this election is about deciding whether we want to continue to be America or not, we're not exaggerating. This isn't either hyperbole or metaphor. It's actual fact. These people believe in something different than America and different than Christianity. She tries to make a distinction between, oh, oh, we're not talking about Christians, but oh, oh, these Christian nationalists. Well, the idea that God spoke about moral law that we can know and that we have to observe through the man Christ Jesus, who was also the Son of God, that's a Christian belief. It's not some kind of different sect called Christian nationalism, whatever that's supposed to mean. If you're talking about natural law, what our founders believed in, is also what the Christian gospel believes in. Brothers and sisters, make no mistake about the kind of battle that we're in here in this election and the fact that there is no middle ground. This is a time for choosing. It's a time for choosing strongly and give not one inch of credibility or mental space for this nonsense being spewed by the other side. Don't let anybody around you even so much as hesitate or dabble in the nonsense of what these people are throwing at us. Push back with all your might, stronger and louder than ever before. These ideas have to be eradicated from our midst. So let's turn back to the Lord and pray. Father, we do ask you, bring the light of truth into our country stronger and brighter than ever before, shining first of all, through us, we are committed to your word. Let the light of your word shine through us as we do our work here in America to save America. May the words that come from our lips, Lord God, enlighten the minds and hearts, strengthen the hearts and souls of our fellow voters, that we may defend what is right and true. Lord, wake up your people. And Lord, hear the prayers and the intentions of all those that watch us here tonight. Bless the entire Trump team and President Trump himself, who has continued to echo such strong truth for the good of our nation, who inspired this past week the 
members of the National Religious Broadcasters and CPAC with speeches that focused in on that truth and that goodness, that greatness that we are called to uphold. We sum up all our prayers and praises now, Lord, asking you to strengthen us. As we offer the prayer Jesus taught, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, thank you. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Thank you, friends, for joining me. And uh, I want to invite you to um, sign up for our election seminars. You know, in addition to these programs, we have uh, special monthly Zoom calls that our Ministry of Priests for Life conducts. Actually, we, we go under the title, for the sake of this work, of Pro-Life Vote. So check us out, ProLifeVote.com, and sign up there for our seminars, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. God bless. Hello, this is Abby Johnson of Unplanned the Movie. You know me as a longtime supporter of Priest for Life and of Father Frank Pavone. And I just want to encourage you as someone who knows of the great work of this organization, please continue to stand strong. Please continue to support this mission. It is so needed now more than ever. Thank you so much for all of your support. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.